0: My name is Panta Kalhor and you're listening to Transition by Panta Kalhor podcast. I created this platform to help you grow and move forward easier through your transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing journey, or starting a brand new life. Episode 95, PTSD Self Healing Show. Healing with Humor, with Pasha Mallow, trained marriage and family therapist. Please subscribe to Panta Kalho Transition channel and order my book Rules of Change for the Better. Tune up your mood and transform your life to reach your biggest dreams. Hello everyone, i PTSD Self Healing Show today with Pasha Mallo is therapeutic comedy coach and she brings humor and pleasure to her podcast. I am so happy to have you. Welcome you to my show and hopefully we have a great chat together.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Pleasure. Yeah.
0: All right, Pasha. tell me about yourself first. How did you come up to be a podcaster first and a coach?
1: Well, the podcasting is just the most fun thing I do. It feels like the closest thing I can get to improvisational uh, play and conversation. It's always lively and organic and fun. And I want to bring that into my day, every day. Um, So that's why I started the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. I wanted to make sure that I was accessing my own pleasure every day, even on the difficult days. And I wanted to empower other people to do the same. The therapeutic comedy coaching came in similarly, uh, from a place of heartache, as often catalyst moments are. Um, mine came from a place of grief and fear in losing my son. Uh, he's very ill. He's had a chronic illness for a couple of years. And in facing his illness uh, and pain, we needed to do something different than what we were doing. And we started to access laughter and comedy. And I found it to be so much more effective than the other modalities we had tried that I started researching it. And then once I realized the power of laughter and humor and healing with humor, I couldn't not bring it into my coaching. And so now I incorporate it into all of my individual and group coaching.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. There is no doubt that um, having laughter and fun uh, can uh, create some distraction, as I said. because. Even in healing process, if you, that's right, you have a lot of pain, you have a lot of things emotionally challenging, as I had before with with my pain in PTSD and fertility issues. But if you just live it for a while and create some distraction, it can create a better environment for your healing.
1: Yeah, and and I never deny or avoid or trying to numb out the the pain and the heartache. I actually say rupture to rapture. Like we acknowledge that there's trauma and pain um, and suffering. And how can we, even within that, um, see the edges or the parameters of humor around any situation? And sometimes it takes quite a bit of time. It's not that we find something funny or humorous in the moment but often with the perspective and i think with the practice we start to see it sooner and then it's and then it's easier to manage and it's easier to talk about i find myself talking about my past traumas now through the lens of humor and my clients and my family and my friends uh have an easier time absorbing and integrating the information and i have an easier time talking about it but i'm still honoring the the truths and the so,
0: tell me some fun fun facts about ptsd
1: Well, Well, my my, trauma makes us funny, you know, trauma makes us um, very resilient. And and I'm sure you know, very fierce, uh, because often we've faced our potentially biggest fears. uh, And so we have this sense of um, strength, inner strength in surviving a trauma. And so when we start talking about it, often we talk about it in the sense of like, it's almost a superpower to have the ability to bounce back from tragedies and traumas. And so um, if we see it in that sense, uh, then we take our power back. Um, And in doing that through the lens of humor, it's not only empowering, but fun. And so in my programs, I encourage people to really reflect on their past traumas, reframe them through the lens of humor and then kind of alchemize them more into comedy. And then they perform a live comedy show at the end. And it's always stories about the trauma, but it's, but it's funny. It's not all funny. There's a lot of tension and heartache and sometimes crying. And then there's also laughter. So we try to hold paradoxically the pain and the pleasure, the trauma and the comedy in the same moment.
0: Beautiful. You know, I remember we've been in war, I mean, from Iran for eight years. Mm -hmm. And war situation is not really a great idea for anybody. But uh, I remember we get used to it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And during those war times, people got married, people... (laughs) have had their own kids be even uh did some traveling can you believe this yeah. <laughs> and uh, the re, what i realized those days with the family the only priority for us was living in our family surviving nothing else matters mm-hmm. Like when you don't know what's gonna happen to you, uh, no. are you gonna have are are you gonna be the next uh, victim? So that's why you say whatever I try to just enjoy my mm. time with my family so family was the first priority there
1: mm-hmm. no matter
0: what we try to have trips have some laughter <laughs> even after um any um, bombardment mm. before um, before hearing the sound of that raid mm. i remember we had lots of fun after that oh we, we survived nothing happened to us then we go out to see um some other apartment maybe uh, they ruined and that was devastating but still after that we celebrated our lives
1: mm-hmm. because
0: we knew that we are happy and we are alive and you see These moments, you don't think about promoting yourself. You don't think about business. You don't think about any other things. You just feel uh, like life. We could feel all the springs around us. We could feel the nature. The nature is still there. So we still could use it, you know. And little things during those traumas Mm -hmm. were really appreciated.
1: Yeah. And what you're talking about, I think, is finding the gratitude. And sometimes I call it, um, you know, how we can sprinkle pleasure into even our darkest of days. And in any circumstance, even as the traumatic ones you're describing, there's the even the celebration of after. But then sometimes in reflection, it's like it's so bad. Sometimes we find humor in it. Like this happened in 2020. Like 2020 was so bad, it became funny. Yes. and and obviously a lot of heartache too. But sometimes we see the the irony uh, or the um, you know solution of the problem is often the funny part. So there's lots of ways to find humor in it. Um, but it's always just about a new perspective. So you know maybe a new perspective for you is recognizing the the nature around you exactly. and
0: that
1: your mind. Yeah.
0: You know what Monday I remember there was a blackout and it was bombardment we we were having or lunch we were having our dinner <laughs> it was night and then uh, suddenly there was uh, those days there was when there was no light uh, we could um, have a light with um, uh, like a candle kind of candle but inside the glass i don't know what you call it uh, mm-hmm. and then we put it there and exploded that one exploded to us and then uh, i just realized my uh, leg is wet Mm -hmm. then i see it's bloody you know Mm -hmm. everywhere but then you can't believe after after everything get back to normal and there was white uh, raid and nothing happened to us, I was laughing. I said, oh, my God, this is only scars I can, not that's going to be healed, right? But still we are alive. You see, those moments, I mm. remember. Even I was a child those days. Mm-hmm. So I believe whatever here right now it is, like a pandemic situation, is yeah. not going to be worse than war.
1: No. Uh-huh. Because
0: I was talking to my father a few weeks ago about this, and he said, at least, no, we know that we are safe at home, <clears throat> right? right? But you, those days we were not safe at home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Anytime we
1: may have something happen mm-hmm. to us. You bring up a good point because I think we need to have, I mean, there's a hierarchy. I think there's, you know, we need safety first. Um, And then once we have that safety, then we can start to tap into hopefully our our breath and our senses. And then when we tap into our senses, we can start to kind of witness our world in a different way. And then, you know, certainly it, it doesn't happen right away that we would walk into a trauma and find humor in it. But once you survive it and then get past those initial phases um, and step back from it and almost a um, like you're watching a film almost in your mind, then, then you can start to see it. Um, and some people are just more practiced in it than others and it often depends on how they were raised and were they raised in a family that valued humor and laughter. Um, or were they raised in a family that was pessimistic and, and more stuck in limiting beliefs. or um, exactly. or, um I like that. Yeah.
0: I like that. Because I found even in worse situation, there are something to find for laugh or humor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can always joke about it or later, oh that was we had we had this situation
1: before. <laughs> One of the books I read in the very beginning when I started researching um, trauma and comedy, therapeutic comedy, was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And I didn't realize I was gonna find it in that book, but I did. One of the passages in his book about the Holocaust was that the people who survived were the ones who laughed in community um, and had that sense of connection and belonging and relatability that is one beautiful gift of, of, uh, of humor. And so that, that stood out. And that was at a time when I was very much afraid of losing my son and I, and it was comforting to read about other people going through um, fear and death and dying and accessing humor. And so I I took it to heart and I, I created my work around it because it was life-saving for me, life-saving for my son. And now I've seen it in my clients for a year and a half now because many tragedies have occurred with the groups I've led and it, deaths of spouses and children even and um and how they're moving through those tragedies with with some humor is beautiful and liberating to watch.
0: Yes, yes, I have mm. you. So give me some uh tips on PTSD recovery. What do you suggest if somebody is in a bad situation? Uh, already hit by trauma, how can he relieve Mm -hmm. from that trauma?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a big question. Um, I would myself initially find myself in a safe place. So I can say at this moment, right here, right now, I am safe. Or to my client, I would say right here in this moment, right now, you are safe. And then I would begin with the senses, like, okay, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you taste? What do you smell? Um, we would do some breath work. And then we would um, move into some embodied emotions, which might just be um, some some stretching, some relaxing, uh, a little bit of movement, which can often be very vulnerable. So um, we take it slow. And then moving through the stress cycle in many different ways. So for some people it's going to be writing or art or music or dance. And for some people it might be writing a joke. And comedy, or laughing—just the laughing out of nervousness. Laughing. In my program is called Roar with Laughter. So we work on our rage a lot because there's in in PTSD, there's a lot of grief and sadness, but there's also a lot of anger um, that we hold on to often. And so finding a safe way to move through that rage and anger, and so we do that often by screaming, <laughs> or through laughing, or through crying. And so I really open it up to. Emoting as much as we can, all all of our emotions, and and in all of that, meeting somebody where they're at. You know, some sometimes what I just talked about could take months, uh, but but I always start with making sure we're safe.
0: Yes, that's the most important one mm-hmm. because even in fertility, I had um, I had interviewees. Her name is Dr. Don Garrison. I love her, and she said there is a channel between our heart and womb. Mm-hmm. And if this channel is broken, then uh, you may end up with infertility. That's mm-hmm. the same with other chronic disease and other disease. If you are broken or you're depressed or you have PTSD, uh, it's, uh, you can uh, root a lot of issues in yours in your body, you can actually have a lot of chronic disease or you don't know even some headaches come where, where, come, where they come from. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, maybe some emotional or some shock or something come.
1: Yeah, that's the embodied emotion aspect that I'm yeah. really intrigued by because some people hold their trauma and their tension and their stress in their head, some people hold their stomach, their back, their hips. And so whatever it is, it's so interesting to be able to breathe into those areas and potentially start to move those areas um, and release, and through yoga or tai chi or dance, starting to release the traumas that are stuck in our body, that energy that gets stuck in our body. Yes. Issues issues in your tissues, like our body remember. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. I like this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have it in my book, too, Issues in Tissues. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <That's laughs> I, I really believe in it.
1: It's like the, button, the body keeps score, and and I certainly believe in uh, inherited trauma, generations of trauma living in our body, uh, and so doing a lot of energy work. I know for my myself and my son's um, healing, we're doing energy work to release traumas that he's experienced in his young life, but then also traumas that I've experienced that I've passed down even unknowingly, and my mother passed down to me. So we're we're working on three generations at least of trauma as related to his chronic illness right now.
0: Yes, yes, I believe. All right then. Uh, so how can we make this environment a little bit funny? Or <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: okay. Well, I'll tell you a story that often um, allows people to kind of understand the process um, is, so for example, my son wakes up every day unfortunately crying or saying, ouch, or I'm in pain. This is the first words out of his mouth for the last year and a half. And I'm with him in bed because he has a lot of trouble sleeping due to his pain. So we were stuck in this pattern of him waking up and saying, mama, I hurt. And then me just holding him in that and becoming quite sad about it. and Often crying myself, which of course, as I was crying and holding sadness, he felt then on top of his pain, Guilt for making me sad and and all the, and so it was too much. So we started to try to reframe it. And so he wakes up um, and he says, Mama, I feel pain." And I said, "I said, um, I said, I'm so sad to hear that." I said, "Where's your pain?" And he says, "It's all over. I would do anything to get rid of this pain." And I said, "You would do anything?" He said, "Yes, I would do anything to get rid of my pain." And I said, "What would you do?" And he said, "I don't know. I would eat. I would eat eyeballs." I said, "You eat eyeballs? You need eyeballs?" <laughs> Of your pain, he said, "Yes, I'd eat eyeballs." And so I'm now realizing that he's engaged in a different conversation, and he's lightening up a little bit. And I said, "Well, how many eyeballs would you eat?" Uh, oh no! First I said, "What kind of eyeballs?" And he's like, "I'd eat fish eyeballs. I'd eat horse eyeballs." And then he said, "I'd eat warthog eyeballs." I said, "Warthog eyeballs? That's disgusting. How many warthog eyeballs would you eat to get better?" And now he's laughing. He was crying a minute ago. And now he's laughing, and he says, "I would eat." 100 warthog eyeballs. And I said, that's gross. And we're laughing and we're talking about, it. he's talking about how when I mean, this is teenage humor, he'd bite into them and they'd squirt. And he's getting kind of gross, but he's amusing himself. And so now we're still honoring his pain. We're still talking about the fact that it hurts. And we're finding a bit of humor around it, which that day allowed him to get out of bed, which was a success. So every once in a while, we t- we just took our dining room table out of our dining room and we have a ping pong table in our dining room now. We don't eat at the dining room table anymore because we are trying to create this uh, permission to play. Um, when we're toddlers, there's always toys everywhere. And it's, it's uh, part of the maybe scene. And the older we get, the less we play and the less we laugh and the less we give ourselves permission to let go, which is why it's so beautiful that babies and toddlers in the house, um, when they're teenagers, it's not as much fun. And so we keep mindfully accessing uh, play. So ping pong right now is is what we're doing. Uh, we we we're, we've tried it with many other games as well. And we keep mixing it up to surprise them. He's like, there's a ping pong table in our dining room, mom.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let's
0: go for a few second break and come back again. Oh, sure. Please subscribe to Ponto Calho Transition Channel and order my book Rules of Change for the Better. Tune up your mood and transform your life to reach your biggest dreams. You're back. All right. Uh, tell me about um, your own coaching. You said you have coaching clients. How how does it work? How they can approach you? And-
1: I do individual coaching as well as group coaching. My individual coaching tends to be uh, for a midlife woman who has experienced in her past Trauma, But it's at this kind of transitional point where her children are getting older and she's starting to realize, oh, I actually never figured out who I am, what I want, what I desire. What what do I even like to do? And um, and so we start to reclaim our power, our pleasure, our sexuality and our voice. So that's a pro- process of the, the individual uh, count uh, coaching, which is typically about three months. I have group coaching called Roar with Laughter, which is the uh, therapeutic comedy program where a small group of women, again, in sisterhood will start to reframe their trauma through the lens of humor. And then they put on a live comedy show at the end. Um, and that's quite fun. And then I also have a, a free um, Facebook group called Midlife Mischief and Merriment, where every day we post. Again, the the pain and the pleasure, the light and the darkness. We post things that are funny. We post things that are heartbreaking. We uh, hold each other accountable for our um, you know wins, and we celebrate with each other. And uh, and we just—it's a beautiful, supportive community. And so, um, and then I have the podcast, uh, which I thoroughly enjoy. Um, and I I'm I'm having more fun and am healthier and more well physically and mentally than I've ever been, despite it being also the hardest time of my life and the saddest. It's very, it's fascinating to me that I'm thriving as much as I am. And I absolutely attribute it to my pleasure and humor practices.
0: You are doing the best job and hopefully you get much, much better soon.
1: Thank you.
0: yeah and uh, I believe in the power of supporting groups as you said because that's what I do also in my fertility empowerment group and the purpose of my podcasts and shows is the same because I really wish to help women with fertility issues who are struggling so many of them have tra- trauma, PTSD in their life but As soon as you see other people have the same issues and they try to support you and they try to uh, have great comments, that gives gives you a lot of happiness, Mm -hmm. right? And I love podcast platforms and this show because then it gives me this opportunity, in this virtual world. I don't feel that I'm alone. Yeah. connected, we can share information, experiences. So this uh, opportunity give us a lot of um, knowledge because we learn every day.
1: Yeah.
0: right? Because if it was not pandemic, we've been in that loop of working and coming back home, you know there was nothing to learn except the or, own job. So right now we have more opportunity. I've seen a lot of people continue their study online during these days and they Mm -hmm. learn a lot of courses, you know, a lot of things these days. And, you know, during my podcast, I learn even more than my university degrees. Can you believe this? (laughs) Life
1: lessons.
0: (laughs) No, it's not life lessons only uh, because the... all of you are experts, so you're doing the coaching. Mm-hmm. I have medical doctors. I have um, fertility experts. Uh, even in different shows, I have all experts around me. And every day, it's a great opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. And the day I learn, I, I feel that I'm, I'm accomplished. Nice. Because the day that you just do the routine job, you, you're not going to add any value to you.
1: Yes, yes. I I like the idea of continuously being curious and uh and seeking seeking not new knowledge, seeking new uh, experiences, yeah, taking taking risks and and uh finding new ways to reinvent yourself and redesign your life.
0: You know, when I immigrated to Canada, I was alone. Um I first I went to Australia and then Canada. I was alone for a long time. And those days, first, I was thinking, oh, I'm alone. And then I said, no, this is a great opportunity to learn. So I'm going to just enjoy this opportunity to enjoy myself. So I learned a lot. I got a lot of certification. I had my my own comfort to uh, play music and enjoy. I used to play violin. And then I see any desperate moment or anything that you are in that should be there for that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And those are lessons that you need to learn to mm-hmm. in order to be accomplished and to go to the next level of your life.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm so glad you had music as your one of yeah, your
0: <laughs> music is my right now with the baby is a bit difficult. To yeah. play, so I really wish to get back there again. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you have any book, any freebies, anything?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the name of my book, this is a maybe a different topic, but the name of the book is called My Next Husband Will Be a Lesbian. It's about expansiveness <laughs> and reclaiming your pleasures and desires. Um, so perhaps that's a conversation for another day. But on my website, which is PashaMarla.com, you can find and. Um, On the, uh, it's easy to see where you sign up for the newsletter. It's you're going to immediately get um, tips on the best ways to lead with laughter. Um, For all the leaders and coaches and therapists out there, leading with laughter is one beautiful way to connect to your clients and your employees. And so um, it's, and you don't lose uh, any authority. You, in fact, gain their trust more. And so there's, I say, there's no, Aha without a haha, in that your um, customers and clients will be more engaged if you engage them in humor. So, there's some tips on that leaving with laughter and humor on the website that are free. That's the website,
0: pashamalo.com, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, Pasha, for being here. Thank I'll you. you all better and better days coming for you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad to be here. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you.